everybody. Welcome back to False Neutrals. This is your weekly podcast dealing with all aspects of the motorcycle world. This is actually episode 11. We are solidly in the double digits now. Uh, I am uh, Eric Trico. I am one of the uh, trifecta of your hosts. And uh, back again, as always, uh, Pete. Good Hello. to have you. Uh, good to hear from you. Good to be here. And from up in the uh, PNW, we have Garrett. Howdy. How are you? It's been a been a very interesting week. Yeah, me too. <laughs> on a personal side, uh, nothing to do with the show, just a lot of personal stuff going on this week for the good. Yeah, so. <clears throat> I figured out just off topic how much ibuprofen you have to take to develop a stomach ulcer. Oh, so that's been my week. So well, I take it that's a lot. Yeah. More, well, so I or just for a long, long time motorcycling injuries uh you know like probably many motorcyclists deal with some chronic pain and so ibuprofen is a good anti-inflammatory and so yeah i mean i was taking about between 1500 and 1800 milligrams a day and i've been doing this for years and i've never had an issue with it but earlier in the week i started to get some really significant abdominal pain and went to the doctor and sure enough ibuprofen it'll give you a stomach ulcer so they've been having me take prilosec and quit taking ibuprofen and so it's actually helped a lot today's been like the first day where i felt pretty normal where i'm not in complete agony but yeah so fyi to the listeners ease up on the ibuprofen if you're taking a bunch of it yeah move to a leave <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh is it uh, is it dropped under 90 degrees in the uh, pnw there it has. Uh, yesterday, we were 84 or 85. It's been uncharacteristically warm here this year. Normally, in April, we'll get one, maybe two 80-degree days. And this year, we've had many. Now, it's cooled off a little bit. We've got some thunderstorms uh, today and tomorrow. But it's going to be back up in the 80s again next week. It's just been amazing motorcycling weather. But I, it feels like we might be leading towards a little bit of a drought, which is not good either. Well, California's is done and yours is coming. Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> what about uh, Pete? How's the uh, KC area? Uh, good, although I wasn't here for four days. Went down to Springfield and drove around the Ozarks on our spiders. We went uh, to the annual Spider Fest. Ooh, uh, spider Fest. The number one Can-Am dealer in the country is in Springfield, Missouri, and they hold a big convention uh, event for spider riders every spring and my wife and i took our two spiders and went down there and i don't know if you guys happen to look at the uh youtube video that i sent you guys i strapped a gopro camera onto one of the suspension arms of my spider as we went through some of the rural ozark back roads that was nice and twisty turny so uh yeah. other, other than some rain that we there was at one point just driving around town shopping for accessories we got pretty well drenched but if you have the right rain gear you know as we've said before yeah you you I'll stay dry good. the problem is when you get somewhere you are dripping wet and you have to take the rain gear off without getting the inside of the rain gear wet or the dry clothes you have underneath it wet and then figure out what to do with all the wet stuff you just took off because you're like a you know a, a wet dog when you walk into whether it's a restaurant or a store or whatever and uh so that was uh, a little bit complicated, but actually it cleared off every time we wanted to go riding. We were able to and had a, had a very good time out on the back roads, and everyone was safe and hooked up with a couple other people from Kansas City at a, various times. And unfortunately, I was going to try and connect with, and I'm going to butcher his name, uh, one of the Hooniverse contributors, Marcel Elenstein, Elenstein. Stein, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, <laughs> but uh, he moved, uh, I guess, about a year ago to Springfield, and I was going to try and connect with him, but between my wife getting a little stomach bug one evening and him having to go out of town Sunday, we just couldn't connect, so I told him I was going to try and take the Suzuki Kazashi down for Cars and Coffee and meet up with him sometime on four wheels, So, but uh, yeah, my, my week didn't suck. Good. Good deal. <clears throat> well, what are we uh, talking about today, Eric? So value for money. I think that's something that's always on everybody's mind, unless, of course, you know, you're of the uh, the two comma net worth. <laughs> yeah. And even then you might you might be concerned with 
value for money. So in our each of our opinions, what is good value for money in a couple different uh, or three different cat- price categories and looking at both new and used? Well, I, I think, first of all, we need to differentiate. There's a difference between bikes I like and bikes that I think are a good value. Last week or two ago, I was talking about how much I like the the new R1200 RS BMW. It's priced at fourteen nine ninety five. I think that's a reasonable price. I don't think that's a screaming deal. It's a bike that I truly would love to have, and I think price is adequate. You know, it's not like, hey, wow, that's a bargain at that price, and it's not eh, they overpriced it. It's it's a really nice bike with a fairly high price that's appropriate to how nice a bike it is. So even though that's one of the bikes I like most, I don't think it's necessarily the best value out there. Conversely, there are some bikes that I think uh, I don't want that are screaming deals for the right person mm-hmm. who really wants that style of bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on the list of ones that I came up with, there's... Uh, really, probably, I don't even know if there's a single one of them that I actually really want, but I think that all of them are pretty interesting and are a great value. And similarly to you, Pete, I was talking last week about the Super Duke um, KTM, and I think when you look at people that have reviewed them, kind of the consensus is, is yeah, it's a really cool bike, but it's a little bit overpriced, really, for what you get in terms of uh, the advantages over some of its competitors. And so that one's definitely not on my list of value, even though it's one of the ones that I really would love to own at some point in the future. And I also think there are some clear outliers. For example, the Kawasaki H2 supercharged, the street version, not even the R racing, but the street version is $26,000. Is that a good deal or not? I don't know. It's there's you know, nothing there's yeah. nothing to compare it to. It's I the- was thinking about that motorcycle too and and I came across that same problem because it's it's interesting but how do you compare it to anything? It's supercharged. It's got an incredible amount of horsepower. It's, you know, low 20s which puts it in the same realm as some other super exotics like 1299s, but I I like it because it's so interesting. And that gives it some value to me, but I don't think, you you know, you have to factor in some practicality into value to some degree. And that just has almost no practicality. And another issue is, is it going to be collectible? It it was unveiled with so much hype and it's so much more powerful than anything else out there right now. Is that going to be like the original H2 where in 30 or 40 years it's going to be worth a lot of money? Or are they just going to be track toys that people are going to come out and trash and... You know, it's going to well, be the, like the racing so, version. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to get one before they sold out, but the the street version, no. And and when we get we talk about because uh, we broke this, I think we we broke this down into three different levels. We have like zero to eight thousand, eight to fifteen, and then fifteen plus, which I think are some three really good tiers. And that's yeah. I mean, it, whether we're shopping on Craigslist or looking new, I think everyone kind of looks at. That's a pretty, I mean, it may vary a little bit, but that's pretty, pretty good breakdown. And when we're looking at this, I, I came up with stuff of, I almost look at it for stuff that I would buy, or at least I would buy, be interested in that was value. And when we talk about the top level for used, the reason I, I'm going to call it good value for money, and we'll get to that what it is later, is because it is, co- it's collectible. It, it can literally sit in your living room, well, wife wife acceptance, of course, because it's a beautiful machine, but it's also highly collectible because there's not a lot of them. And then people who know what they are like, oh, yeah. And I kind of went yeah. with the general brand versus a specific model because, you know, they made like 600 bikes total or something like that. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, I was uh, when Pete and Eric and I were talking about this before the we started the show, we were thinking about topics and there was one motorcycle in particular that made me think about this topic and that was the uh, new Yamaha FZ07s and FZ09s. I was reading some articles about them recently and I was thinking about how interesting and how neat the bikes were and then I saw what the price was for them and so for right around $8,000 which is the MSRP and all of the motorcycles that I'll talk about today, I'm just going off of the MSR pre, not necessarily yep. the street price, right, because right. I don't Which know have, where those are at. But. You have to. And, and, and I think there's a couple of things I want to talk about as far as what you can get in way of discounts. But 
when you're talking about what you can buy them for, as far as new bikes, you really have to go by MSRP because yeah. a lot of it depends on the dealer. High volume dealer, you can probably get a screaming deal, especially if you live in a major metropolitan. If you're, you know, in a rural area where a dealer doesn't move a lot of product, you know, they're probably not going to bargain a lot with you. Yeah. And so the FC07 and, and 09, they're really interesting motorcycles. They're a three cylinder engine as opposed to some of the earlier generations like the FC6 and FC1. Uh, well, the FC1 they still make, but those being a four cylinder motor, they have a surprising output of 115 horsepower and about 65 torque. And, and so this is for the FC09. That's a monstrous torque rating for the size of motor and also compared to some of the motorcycles in their same class. Uh, 65 torque is just absolutely phenomenal. They're fuel injected. They've got inverted forks. They look great. And like I said, MSRP, you're looking at right around $8,000 for one of those. Yeah, FZ09, I just pulled it up because I'm, I'm right there with you. FZ09 is $8,200. And the FZ07 yeah. is seven grand, and I went with the FZ07, thinking that if it, it's a great first bike, it's a great getting back into motorcycling. It's just a kind of a good all-around bike. It's yeah. affordable. I mean, you can have what's the monthly stroke on that? 150 bucks a month, maybe. It's kind of a bike where basic maintenance of changing oil. You're not check the tires, check your chain, and that's all you have to do. So for that kind of money. I went with the FZ07 just because it's like, yeah, yeah. what else do you want? I, I went yep. with the FZ07 as well. Hey! <laughs> because if, if you look at it, it's $1,000 less than the new reconstituted SB650 Suzuki, which is a nice yeah. bike, but it's not that kind of a value. It's yeah. $1,000 less than the... The GSX S750 and the Z800, which are just old sport bikes that they took the fairings off of and restyled the bodywork, they're like yeah. five, six, eight year old designs that they've already paid for the tooling, and they're still charging a thousand dollars more than that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think the FZ07 and is a screaming deal. Yeah, and I was comparing the FZ09 against things like the Triumph Street Triple, which MSRP is at about ninety four hundred dollars. Um, the Yamaha performance-wise is a little bit better. You get more torque and horsepower. The only thing I can say is, and, and they've started, they've addressed this since they've introduced both bikes, but if you're looking at these used, the first year for each of those, you got to be a little careful because they didn't have the throttle by wire dialed in really good, really well. Um, it's a little abrupt. The suspension tuning's a little off. So in some ways, the Triumph is a little bit better because they've been building it for a while. Their, their stuff is dialed in a little better. Yamaha, yes, they own Oling. You'd think they have like really good suspension, but it's, it's a yeah. little, little less. But there's enough of an aftermarket because they sell so many units that for, you know, 200 bucks for a set of springs and some oil, you can revalve it and, or, re, you know, respring it and, it, well, and it solves all your issues. And, yeah. I, and I think part of it is, you know, the FZ07 in particular is definitely built to a price when you look at the suspension components. Stuff, yes. it's a, if you want to spend an extra $1,000 on suspension stuff, you're free to do that. There's a lot of people that are going to get on that bike. They would never notice the difference. And yeah. they'll have a blast on it and not have to change anything at seven grand. And if you want to spend eight grand, you can get the same bike with some nicer suspension components. In my mind, the, the FZ07 really is the new XS650, right? I mean, it is a very affordable UJM kind of motorcycle. Yes, it's styled modern in, in a modern way, but that's kind of what the modern UJM look is. So it, it really is, it's not a do it all, but it's a great bike for 80% of the riding you'll ever want to do. Yeah. And I also think, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, there's um, an FJR09. I don't know if there's an 07, but I think that there is kind of a more toury version of the same bike the fj09 yes fj09 yeah and um also if you're going to be doing a little bit um i would say less sporty less aggressive riding maybe a little bit more commuting you can still get the same platform but um that, with a little bit more comfort that would solidly move you up into the next price tier though because that's at 10.5 right yeah so yeah you're definitely going to pay a little bit more for it but pete like but, you were saying as far as the value goes, yeah, what this motorcycle is, is going to do everything a person needs to do. Probably not a whole lot more, but the average person, even most of the above average riders, really aren't going to need any more than this will deliver. Just to put this into perspective for you, the FZ07 is priced $200 less 
than the Suzuki DRZ 400 Supermoto, yeah. which is an old single that <laughs> is 400 cc's and has been around forever. Yeah. They paid that tooling like, off yeah. in like the 20th century, and yeah, and they're still charging 200 dollars more than the FZ07. Similar to that, I just have to say, since you're talking about the DRZ, because one of my bad value motorcycles, and this relates to it. The Honda XR650L, which they still make, that has been virtually unchanged since the beginning of time, uh, it's $7,000 MSRP. And so you're talking about the FZ07, same price as the XR650L, which is basically like the world's first motorcycle. That's not that much different than my 1983 XL600R. Yeah, it's still got a steel tank on it. Just the old regular XR tank, like it's always had. Uh, Speaking of bad values, uh, I am, and kind of relating that to the DRZ400, I think Suzuki, some of their smaller bikes, just have absurd prices. They don't sell well because they're way overpriced. For example, the, uh, the S40, what used to be the Savage, the 650 single cruiser, which is now, uh, the Boulevard S40, uh, is the same price as a KTM RC390. Yeah. And the difference in technology and capability and appeal between those two motorcycles is like night and day. Why anybody would buy what's basically a 30-year-old Savage yeah. for the same price as one of the hottest little mini road racers out there with a really strong engine, really nice suspension, Really great chassis, super attractive bike. Yes. Well, and the the S40 is just incredibly anemic. It it would be probably akin to riding a 10-speed bicycle, from what I would imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the TW200 is going to have better acceleration. Is that what you're saying? No, I have have to say, I I rode an old 5-speed Savage, which is basically drivetrain and Chassis-wise, exactly the same, except for a little bit of styling in the seat and the bars and stuff. It's the same bike. Yeah. And I liked it, but you immediately start thinking about all the things that you would need to change to get rid of all the annoyances and to improve the things that are good about it. It's like a do-it-yourself motorcycle construction kit with a lot of pieces missing. Yeah. (laughs) Another one is the DR200. I looked this up this morning. They still make the 2016 DR200 dual purpose bike 4499 $4500 for a bike that they have been making since the 80s and yeah. it's like who other than maybe MSF courses would ever spend that kind of money on something that truly does make the TW200 feel powerful i mean cuz yeah it's no kidding that i i think this might be like the most anemic motorcycle that has ever been made because it is a full-size bike i mean it's it's big and it has the most antiquated old 200 cc motor in it i can't imagine any functional purpose for this motorcycle unless you got it for just a steal of a deal because for the price that you could pay for this you could buy a much 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 more capable motorcycle for the same price for five hundred dollars more you can get a crf 250l You know, water-cooled, a whole lot more powerful, better suspension, a whole lot more comfortable to ride on the highway. There's nothing that the DR200S will do that the the Honda 250 wouldn't do 10 times better for $500. The the 250L from Honda is going to be a lot more powerful. Still not the same 250 as you would find in the motocross-style bike, but you can find, uh, for the similar price, not a very old um crf either either a 450x or something equivalent you can get a yamaha wr250 which is going to be a much much better performing motorcycle for really the same price i mean if you could buy them used for a couple year old one for even less than what these cost new so i want to i want to throw two out at you one we can probably have a conversation on the other yeah it's a personal whatever so what do we think for sort of I'd say bad value, but how about not great value? Not and not to pick on Kawasaki, but the KLRs, right? Yeah. 
Uh, KLR650 is $6,600. If you get the special camo job, it's $6,900. Yeah. Um, yes, they were updated a few years ago, but essentially that's the same same well, motorcycle since, what, 1986? Yeah, and updated is, I mean, that's probably even an overstatement. They're a lot like the Honda XR650L where, I mean, maybe they've like changed a little things here and there, but still, for the price of them, there's just so many better motorcycles for a similar price range even not as enduro or i should say dual sport but you can get some of the ktms or or hondas or yamahas that look more like a motocross bike but still a lot better performers for a similar price tag the klr just hasn't changed enough in the last couple decades for it to be worth anywhere near that price the only thing is there's really not a whole lot quite like the klr 650 because you know it doesn't lean towards off-road riding quite like a lot of the other hardcore street legal dirt bikes but it has a whole lot more capability than say a you know some of the soft rotors like the honda 500x or the the versus 650 and stuff that are okay you know are probably better value for money but if you want something that you're really going to do that transamerica trail on it kind of fills a niche for that cheap not quite an adventure bike but kind of a a rung down on that dirt street compatibility I would sooner, for my money, I would sooner buy a used KTM LC4, something that's, you know, a number of years old, but if you can find one that doesn't have a lot of miles on it, that hasn't been beat up, um, they're good, reliable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like you'll get more value for that. The KLRs, they've been making them for so long. Their their resale value is pretty low, so you can buy a used one. I just I wouldn't buy a new one. I would buy a used yeah. one for sure. Um, My, but also the uh, the XR six fifty R, which they haven't made for a little bit of time. But if you can find a good clean one of those, um, that's something that will hold its value because it's an R and they don't make them anymore. And uh, their engine is. And for the listeners that don't know, the XR650Rs and the Ls are completely different. The 650R is based a lot on the new motocross uh, style of motor, water-cooled and all that. And the performance is just so much better. My uh, my other one, and this is where my my bias shows definitely, anything 883 Harley-Davidson for bad yeah. value. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's- yes, yes, <laughs> yes, they do tickle over that $8,000 mark that we're talking about by, you know, three to $700. But anything that's, again, pretty much unchanged <laughs> since 1983 and really since yeah. about, you know, 1957, 45 horsepower and 550 pounds. I mean, right. yeah, uh, yes, and, and, you're you're buying into a fraternity. Uh, good for you. Doesn't uh, right. mean I think it's valuable. In my notes, in my notes uh, under bad value, I have most Harley Davidsons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they're all over the board. I have a problem with any of the loss leaders, the bikes yeah. that are deliberately decontented to be a price leader. The Harley Street 500, uh, mm-hmm. when it, it's just a decontented 750 Street, or the 883, yeah. which is a deliberately made smaller but almost identical to the 1200 sportster the scrambler 62 the ducati 400 lost leader scrambler the scout 60 from indian uh bikes that are just like something else it's almost a bait and switch of come in and look at this well if you want more power or you want accessories or you want more chrome suddenly the price takes a big jump up there's no incremental amount of flash or content in between the really cheap one to get you in the door and the one you really want that's a whole lot more money. Yeah, yeah you're right. With the model names uh, being the same on some of them, uh, but they're a completely different motorcycle. It's just like the light version and then the full version. Uh, once you actually look at them, in, in some of them you realize that they're not even made in the same country. It's just it's literally like a completely different motorcycle. It's a detuned, de-everythinged version of the one that you actually want, but you see that attractive price tag. Well, I... Sea-Doo, uh, Bombardier Recreational Products, came out with the Sea-Doo Spark, and they advertised it, I think, when it came out a year or two ago, was uh, $49.95. And this is when every watercraft out there had a five-digit price tag, and yeah. they come out with this $5,000. It's like, whoa, no way. Well, if you want the powerful version, 
it's you know like seventy nine hundred dollars. I don't. I'm not sure about that price, but I'm just making it up. The difference between don't slap your puppy. We can all hear it. <laughs> um, the difference between the two of them is a reflash of the ECU. Yeah. They deliberately made the exact same motors, same injectors, and everything slower so they could charge less, and they're losing money on it. So yeah. I get that, but it just seems to me that it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to screw you out of performance so that I can have a really low price tag in an ad that I know right. you don't want. Yeah, for sure. And going back to what Eric was saying about the Harley-Davidsons, I think uh, with most of the models, whether they're good or bad motorcycles, you're paying a certain amount for the branding because of the popularity of them. And so that's going to take away a lot from the value. And then also, like we've been saying, um, they're just pretty lethargic and they're updating over time. A lot of the V-twin competitors provide a generally better motorcycle for less money. Like under my good value category, I have the, uh, what is it? The Victory uh, Cross Country 8-Ball. So it is similar to the Harley Road Glide. They've got the built-in speakers, the 106 cubic inch motor, like very similar specs. And the Victory is 18,000 MSRP and the Road Glide is 21.2. And you're really getting a pretty comparable motorcycle as far as I can see. What do you think, Pete? Uh, I think there are people who are going to buy Harleys and almost want to pay a whole lot of money. That's part of the, yeah. the purchase experience. And they want to brag about how much they spend on their Harley. Because you can buy, I think it's the Road King for like 18 or 18.5. I looked up the Street Glide CVO uh-huh. 36.8. Yeah. It's almost the same motorcycle with some extra gigas slapped on it, and they double the price. Suddenly, yeah. the twenty six the twenty six thousand dollars for an H two seems almost reasonable <laughs> when you're yeah. talking about thirty six eight for a Harley. Well, when well when Harley had Porsche do their engine development, they also went to their market, their pricing and marketing department, and said, "Really, you get people to buy a sixty thousand dollar." Uh, uh, Cayenne, and by the time they walk out the door, it's one hundred and two thousand. Um, let let's see that spec sheet again. How are you doing that? Yeah. Cool. All right, yeah. let's do that. Let's let's copy that. There's a reason yeah, why no. Porsche is the most Porsche and Harley Davidson, you know, are kind of leaders in profit margins. I get it, and and but the thing is, is if you're looking for a mass-produced American V-twin. Um, you know, if you have a lot of money and you want the nicest one, what else are you gonna do? I mean, you're going to go and buy a Harley Davidson and you're going to buy the upper end model that's thirty or forty thousand dollars. Otherwise, you're going to have something custom built because the market for the 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 mass produced expensive American V twins is really just dominated by Harley Davidson. Yeah, there is a certain amount of just at some point you're going to buy what you want, you know? Yeah, you, you're going to choke on it and go, oh, well, OK, it's a lot of money, but I'm that's what I want. So I'm going to go spend the money. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking at a, a price range of like, you know, I like the price range that we were talking about of the, you know, between eight and kind of $10,000 range, because in that, in that price range, I think that the buyer is probably going to gravitate more towards value than if you're looking at a $30,000 motorcycle, sure. when you're going to spend that much money, then yeah, you're just going to buy what you want. But if you're looking at some of the cheaper, uh, you know, especially motorcycles where there's a little bit more competition, then I think certainly you're going to look at the value side of it. And um, one of the motorcycles that I'm super excited about that's come out this year is the Yamaha YZ450FX. Um, the reason I'm excited about this particular one is because it's, well, it's a it's an off-road enduro motorcycle, which KTM has really dominated this market. And Yamaha... And Honda have their, you know, the 450X and the WR450, which are designed for street and off-road use, but they're, they have emissions restrictions, so a little bit detuned. Now, the Yamaha 450FX is a direct competitor to the KTM 450XCW. It's got an 18-inch rear wheel, the kickstand, electric start, uh, oversized front brake, but 
it's quite a bit cheaper than the XCW. The Yamaha is at $88.90 MSRP, and that's compared to the KTM that's at $96.49 for their MSRP. And you get a lot of the same things. And, you know, Yamaha makes an incredible motorcycle, too. I mean, you could easily compare it to the KTM. Yep. That's a, a brand new model for this year. And so I think that's something that, you know, people should definitely look at if they're looking at getting into uh, off-road riding. KTM has really just dominated that market. We didn't do old business this week, but uh, after our dirt episode, I went by my buddy's uh, uh, KTM dealership and I looked at the Freeride 250R. They're, uh-huh. they're kind of a semi-enduro, semi-trials, off-road, explorer. There's nothing quite like it. Maybe some of the betas with the enduro seats for their trial bikes comes close, but it's kind of its own thing. Seventy nine ninety nine, and yeah. and I don't know if that's a good deal or not. I can't. It's like it's a two fifty two stroke that I'm spending eight grand for, but on the other hand, there's nothing else like it. It's got electric start. It's yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool little motorcycle. I don't know if I would ever spend eight grand for something K- that wasn't street legal because i'm not that into the dirt i would go buy something used and buy a little four-stroke honda you know so K- I'm- yeah ktm i think has done a really really good job with their with their ready to race marketing program of hey we're you know super racing european bike and so we can charge a premium price and people and and somewhat justified because the bikes are among the best in the class and people are willing to hand over the money for it. So Yeah, well, this is what I have to say about that particular model is you're getting you're getting no more but no less motorcycle than really any of the other KTM off-road bikes and they are all generally in that 8 to 10,000 dollar price range. This one is not street legal, so it's going to be a little bit less than some of the other off-road uh, models that are street legal, but just as KTM as a whole, being um, a former KTM uh, owner and like a semi-KTM fanboy, I can honestly say that they are worth the extra money that they cost. My KTM 350, and I should just say before this, a lot of times people say that, you know, the rider makes the bike, the bike doesn't make the rider. But on my KTM 350 motocross bike, that I've never ridden anything that just went where you looked. And wherever I looked on the trail, the motorcycle just went that way, and it did it so seamlessly and perfectly. I can honestly say that I've never ridden a better motorcycle than the 350 off-road. It was worth every penny uh, over the price of a Japanese competitor. And so just generally speaking, from my experience owning KTMs, you the extra money, you do get uh, value for that extra money. I, I think do. Um, sorry, go ahead, Pete. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. So we, we I think we've, we've gone through the new bikes in the, uh, say, under 8000 category. So do we want to go to used bikes under 8000 sure. or should we go to uh, new bikes on the eight to 15000 tier? When we're talking about new and used, I think some of the best deals that you can get are some non-currents that are two, three years old that are new but sitting in a dealership and are highly discounted because they got them in the warehouse. Um, For example, my Spider, I bought a 2013 RSS, and I paid, on paper, I paid MSRP for it, 18.5, which I don't think is a good deal. My goodness, I just about choked when I was signing the papers for that. That's as much as I have ever spent on any kind of recreational vehicle. But again, it was what I wanted, and there's nothing else quite like it, and there's not a lot of competition, so you you pay the piper. Uh, they had a bunch of 2013s left over. Last year, they blew out the last of them for thirteen five. That's a $5,000 discount. Wow. They were selling, new at the dealership, what the blue book value was on mine. I was almost upside down on something that I'd had for two years because they were selling new ones so cheaply. And of course, yeah. they're you know when they're gone, they're gone. I did some digging on CycleTrader.com today. Right now, 2014 CTX 700 manual transmissions, the the N model, the the one without the fairing. So if you don't get the DCT and you don't get the fairing on it. You can get them all over the country under five grand, brand new, still in the crate, 
some people in on the coasts have them advertised for less than forty five hundred dollars. Now, granted, they're probably going to stick you for a couple hundred dollars worth of you know F and I fees Prepping, and stuff like that. But yeah. but realistically, I think you could get out the door for five grand or a little more uh, anywhere in the country right now. The CTX seven hundred. I don't necessarily like it because it's got forward controls and kind of a goofy ergonomics. But if you like cruiser seating and you don't want the cruiser chrome, everybody has said mechanically it's a fantastic motorcycle. It's very similar to the one that uh, Cage on Two Wheels was talking about. They like over there because of the, you know, they're so reliable and they get great gas mileage. And uh, if that's the kind of bike that you are going to be happy with used er6ns go for that much which is yeah. a whole lot lousier bike and i just think that's a that's a screaming deal on something that's going to have a factory warranty comes from honda yeah if you know what to look for and you're willing to buy what didn't sell last year new current non-current bikes can give you incredible deals i bought my ft500 honda for about half of the msrp as a non-current. Now, granted, I was working at a dealership at a time. I bought a GB500 in 1991 for $2,800. Yeah. Well, has that been sitting on the showroom for about six years? Uh, well, it was a 1989, so it had been there for two years. In okay. Idaho Falls, there's not a lot of people that want a, at that time, wanted a 600 single, you know, quasi-retro British cafe racer. He knew he wasn't going to sell it. He was looking to blow it out. To, he was paying... Uh, uh, carrying carrying costs. Yeah, he was paying for his his program costs every week, every month on it. He wanted it out. Why I got rid of it? Well, we went into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that that's a value that's really hard to beat. And that same class of motorcycle, I had on my list a good value being an FJR thirteen hundred because um, you'll you'll rarely come across anybody that has anything bad to say about the FJR. They made them for a lot of years, and you can even find early ones with ABS, but you're still used, going to pay four to $5,000. And granted, it's got a big motor and all, and all that, but um, the CDX700 is you know, probably in a similar um, category of motorcycle, and if you can get one brand new for around $5,000, that's, that's a hell of a deal. Yeah, I sent you guys a link to a Cycle Trader ad this morning. As I mentioned, right now, the Harley V-Rod yeah. Street Rod, the yeah. VRSCR, you can find them under 10,000 miles on them, six to seven grand all day long, all over the country. Yeah. It's, it's like, I really wish I was in the market for one because... I yeah, what did those cost new? They were... 16? Yeah, they were about 16? 16. And there's a whole lot of them that got bought and parked without a lot of miles on them, and then people yeah. got bored with them and got rid of them. And a lot of the Harley faithful don't want to sit in a crouch, so they don't buy them. It's one of those things that in about five or ten years, I am going to be kicking myself. I didn't go out and buy one this yeah. year because I think we're in the sweet spot for them. Yeah, Harleys are probably one of those motorcycles where you can find plenty of them used that are still really nice because lots of people probably went out and bought one and just kind of sat in the garage versus – uh, sport bikes like R1s and GSXR 1000s and all these other things where you're, you're probably like you're not going to find as many cream puff sport bikes as you are going to find Harleys. I, I think just the demographic of people and, and how the motorcycles get bought and treated. Yeah. I'm going to guess that you could probably find a little bit better used value in a Harley, but I don't know. That's also generalization. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> All right, so if we go and we talk about used bikes in that under eight thousand category, um, yep. Pete, what are you uh, what are you thinking on that? Well, I, the the some of the, some of the non currents like the CTX seven hundred and the VS uh, VRSCR, the two that I had written down as one okay. that I would recommend. Not necessarily used, but non current. So okay, I was putting non currents in there because you're, gotcha. you're not you're not paying MSRP for them. Right? And, no, that's it, that's and I had some call. and I had some notes on bad value. In used bikes, and a couple of them I don't understand. One of them is W650s. I realized there were cool bikes and people liked them. I owned one, but, you know, people want $4,500, $5,000 for ones that's got twenty, twenty-five thousand 25,000 miles on them. 
that's half the cost of a brand new fuel injected street twin. You know, you could buy a water cooled fuel injected Bonneville street twin for I th- I think the 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 bottom rung is under nine grand, and you're going to spend five grand on a on a decade old motorcycle that you know uh, I didn't have a real good experience with ours. I had a lot of problems with it. It it was a cool bike. But it wasn't as cool as a new street twin would be. And I, I yeah. realize that some people are talking money. But if you're really trying to be economical, you're not buying a W650. You're buying that because that's what you want. And I don't get it. Hipster yeah. premium. That's what it is. It's a hipster premium. Yeah. Uh, like and, Well, especially because they were, they were originally on the imported for like one or two years. And they weren't available for quite a few years. And then they just brought them back again, didn't they? No, you still can't get them. They they came out oh. with an eight hundred and they don't they didn't bring it back to the United States so gotcha. they only yeah two thousand one two thousand two I think were the two years they sold them here yeah, yeah. Um, another one is Honda Rebel two fifties they're everywhere yeah. they're a crap motorcycle I mean they don't even have a yeah. pa- paper element in the oil filter yeah. single carb they're anemic they're uncomfortable they're not usable for anything other than you know side street commuting you can't take them out on the highway any distance. And people want ridiculous amounts of money for them used. Why is the resale value so high on Rebels? I don't get it. They should be, you know, 400, 500 bucks and people want two grand for them. Yeah, that's another one of those motorcycles that I just can't really envision any good practical use for it. I mean, the best you could say about it is it will get you from point A to point B. But there is like almost nothing redeeming about the Rebel 250s. I've just never really understood those in general. And the yeah. other thing I would add as a bad value for money is any 50cc scooter. Whether <laughs> whether, whether it's a Chinese no. copy, whether no. it's a jog, whether it's a, a ruckus, whatever it is. No, I got to disagree with you on this one. Whatever you're going to spend it on, it's not worth it. Go buy something real. No, the Zuma 50 is an uh, it's an awesome scooter. There is plenty of upgrades to it. You can um, put big bore cylinders on them and exhaust, and and they're really really quick when they're spiced up a little bit, and they're super fun. You can take them anywhere. You don't need an endorsement to ride them. I got to disagree with you on that one. But other 50cc scooters, excluding the Zuma, all right, I'm with you on that. Well, with with the Ruckus, you're going to pay the hipster tax on that one, too. Well, yeah, the Ruckuses are terrible compared to the Zuma. I, I couldn't do a Ruckus, but I could do a Zuma. What's funny is I, I know that Jeff Glucker on the Universe podcast has said several times, that, oh, man, I want a Ruckus. It's like, why? It's an- no, and have you seen the stupid creations that these people make out of them oh. where they emulate like the florida stretched out sport bike thing where they're like three feet longer and they've got the big tire in the rear it's just crazy camden tub we're just talking on their last somebody was saying they were watching some guy with a two foot extended swing arm on a ruckus just trying to make a left hand turn at an intersection <laughs> <laughs> Do, doing like like eight miles an hour and he was like you can see the fear on the guy's face just trying to turn the thing gingerly around this corner it's like why i don't get yeah, it style man it's all about the style you know no, there's no style really that. i mean think about it. think about the early 2000s of how raked out some of those cruisers were i mean as long as you're going in a straight line they're great you got to turn game over there was yeah. once that i actually saw a guy that had a hayabusa with the super long swing arm and he was next to a guy. They were obviously riding together, and the other guy had a Honda Fury, uh, you know, the <laughs> Honda factory chopper with yeah. the with the front wheel stretched out forever. And it was oh, just God. like it kind of made me laugh. Obviously, these guys don't take themselves too seriously if they're riding together. Kind of wanted to buy him a cup of coffee. Go, yeah, you guys got it. That's one of those things where I would see it and and I would blush, like not even <laughs> riding it, just seeing them, I would blush. Okay. All right, Garrett. What are your uh, What are your used values under eight grand? I've probably talked about most of them, but I will say that even though the new FC07 and FC09 are great values, I still see a lot of value in the used FC6s, FC8s, and FC1s. I had a 2003 FC1, 
and I bought it used and um, really well cared for. I paid $3,500 for it, and this was quite a few years ago. Um, and I rode it for thousands of miles, trouble-free. It was um, a moderately comfortable motorcycle. It really needed a new seat on it. But for that $3,500 range, you can find all sorts of pretty nice FC6s and FC1s. And even... Um, I was on Craigslist today, and um, if you could even negotiate this guy down a little bit, but I was on Craigslist, and I found a 2013 FZ8 with 2,000 miles on it, like new condition. He was asking 6,500. If you were a good negotiator, if you could get something like that for 55 or 6, I think that that's a really good value. I know that that's approaching the new price of the FZs. The, um, the 07s and 09s, but I still think you can find a, a really good value on some of the older ones. Yeah, I've got, so. I've got two. Uh, they're essentially the same bike. One's a sport bike and one's the standard version. <clears throat> um, same chassis, same engine, slightly different tuning, uh, which is the Aprilia RSV 1000 or SV and the, uh, and, and the Aprilia Tuono. Yeah. Um, from 2000 to say 2008, nine, about 2000, let's say 2007, 2008, you can get a mid 2000s Aprilia RSV or Tuano every day for under five grand and, and yeah. sometimes for around four. Uh, that Rotax motor is pretty much bulletproof. I mean, as long as you don't do stupid stuff on it uh, and give it basic maintenance, it'll run for 40, 50, 60,000 miles. No yeah. problem. It's Italian, so it's, got styled now whether you like that style or not that's a separate issue because the yeah. the one restyling on the mid-cycle refresh on the tuano yeah, wasn't my favorite but it kind of grows on you i guess yeah, yeah but it's a 60 de- 60 degree v twin if it has a, even with stock exhaust it sounds good but if it's got yeah. an aftermarket exhaust it's just it's glorious it yeah. really is glorious and yes the 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 mille it was solid in its day it's still a solid value in the tuano you can just go do pretty much everything on that because I know people who've done three thousand mile, you know, cross country tours on them. Right. So. Yeah, I forgot about these ones, and and it's true. The resale value on Aprilia's in general is just terrible, and I think some of their models had a bad rap for reliability when others just kind of got lumped into that reliability when they didn't really have that problem. Like I was thinking about the SVX. 450 and 550 like supermoto things, and I know that those had a little. Yeah, the 550s definitely had the, about three quarters of those, I think, ended up having to have engine rebuilds at some point yeah. because I can't remember why. But, yeah, there's yeah. It, uh, if, you, if you ever want to know anything about those, uh, the AF1 Aprilia board, just go on there and there's, you know, 90 pages of, yeah. you know, on, on, the, on yeah. those topics. But uh, the, with the people who really know, I mean, it, they are yeah. the experts on it. So, yeah, um, the RSV, yeah but they're, they're cool bikes. Everyone who rode them says they're really cool, but. Right, but, right. When they worked. The reason um, you can get one for two or three thousand is because you're gonna uh, just plan and put four or five thousand aside to rebuild yeah. the engine plus a few other things. So right. yeah. But the one thousand R, um, I I think they're just a drop dead gorgeous motorcycle. Um, again, I've said everything that I need to say about V twins. I love them. The sound, uh, the torque, all that. These Aprilias, um, they're probably difficult to find relative to other sport bikes i would imagine what do you think eric i mean what's are there enough of these out there where a person could find one pretty easily or not yeah i mean they, they never really sold that well around here but you go yeah. on craigslist and there's always a couple for sale they didn't sell they didn't sell a ton but they sold enough and there's a really really tight community uh and and there's a couple good places to get parts from and there's people who a couple people you can just go to and they know everything so it's not like you're out in the wind you know you're taking a risk because you're going to be out in the wind because you bought some exotic thing um, that didn't sell well um and the nice thing is even if you don't have a good dealer network around you you can mail order stuff there's enough information and they're pretty easy to deal with that you can you can do pretty much everything on your own so it's not that big of a deal i definitely agree when you're talking about used and new things, I think it, it helps to compare them to each other. And I was just, I went out on Cycle Trader and I looked at uh, the Honda NT700, what they call the Diouville uh, in Europe. It's the old Hawk motor in yeah. a 700 with the pass through saddlebags built into the back and a fairing. And I was looking at that. All the ones that were under 10,000 miles, and the average price is $6,400. They're incredibly reliable bikes. They're not the most exciting thing in the world, 
I haven't ridden one, but from what I've been told, the engine's not all that powerful. Some people thought it was kind of a milk toast, tepid bike, but they'll run forever and they're really comfortable if you want to do some sport touring on them. They handle well. And, yeah. In comparison, you can go out and for the exact same money as the average price of one of those, you can get a CB500X. It's yeah. not going to have saddlebags on it, but boy, between the two of them, I can't see buying something that's six years old for the same price as I can go in and buy a new one. Yeah, mm-hmm. for and sure. those are those bikes are similar enough in capabilities, and I think in five or six years the CB500X is going to have better resale, more appeal to somebody as a used bike than an NT700V is ever going to have. Well, just yeah, for you go look at it from a styling standpoint, right? And you look at the, the NT and you go like, eh, with the other one, okay, you know, it's yeah. it maybe a little vanilla, but hey, it's it, safe, right? It's not a, an adventure bike, but it does have the currently popular adventure bike styling that's going to attract yes. somebody in a couple of years. Yeah, yep. and with the tire change and some suspension tuning, uh, you know, it, it could do some light adventure work. I wouldn't rule it out completely. And with that, we'll conclude part one of our value for money discussion. Tune in next week, and we will conclude this by talking about bikes primarily over $8,000 on the high end of the market. In the meantime, you can find pictures of all of the bikes that we've talked about today on Hooniverse.com. Please go to iTunes, rate and review us, and leave questions that you have or topics you'd like us to cover on our Facebook page or on Hooniverse. The Hooniverse podcast and Camden Tub are also available for you to listen to. In the meantime, thank you very much. See you next week.